Welcome, everyone, to the Free Market Screen Earth Podcast. This is episode number 13. I'm Nikki P, here with the Liberty Hippie, Mr. Ben. Not Stop, to be with Uncle Ben. He's a shade lighter than no. Well, I... I, I I've been called Uncle Ben. I, once I became Uncle Ben, it was kind of like one of those things. Like, oh, this is cool, but you know, I, no, I look nothing like Uncle Ben. More, more Gallagher, more uh, Gene Wilder. You know, you look so much like Gallagher. It trips me out. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we doing today? We we have another guest. We have our first guest on the show. Dun dun dun! Check that out. We have a guest. We ran out of stuff to talk about. We needed to bring somebody in. Go figure. <laughs> Not really. So our, our guest today uh, is Mr. Daniel Weisgarber, and um, yeah, he, he came on to uh, he, he's a oh, young man. Talk, about he's to talk to us about farming. He is. He's, he's a younger man than than either one of us. It's something you know. We've reached midlife now, and everything's downhill. I guess I don't know. So I'm I'm but, a little uh, yeah. Back. Daniel's here to talk about. I'm a little backseat driver on this one. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you tell tell me why we brought this guy on? Well, I don't know. Let's see. Um, so the episode I, I recorded a, a an interview with Daniel not too long ago, and it will be it aired on Tuesday. When you heard this, it's already out. Um, and we we got to talking a little bit afterwards, and he had mentioned some things that happen in the lovely state of Florida. Uh, I thought it might be interesting. And um, going kind of off of last week's episode of Free Markets Green Earth, um, when we talked about definitions, this Daniel's story here, um, the information he has kind of plays into that a little bit, um, specifically um, more food definitions. Um, so Daniel, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, Absolutely. Appreciate Thank you, you very much uh, for having me. Entertaining, entertaining us and, and, the, the fine folks out there who have decided that they um, wouldn't like to listen to the show, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why they're doing it. I guess we're, uh, you know, but anyway, um, Daniel. Yeah. What, so what, what do you, what do you want to tell us about today? Well, I'm, I'm very happy to contribute a, a crazy Florida story um, for y'all here. Um, we're going to be talking about a, um, it's a, it's a dairy. It's a creamery up in, uh, up in the panhandle. I believe the way you pronounce it is Ochizy, um, which is Ooh. just perfect. Um, <laughs> Ooh, it's owned by Florida Man, right? <laughs> well, well, at first I thought that was the name of the town because it kind of sounds like you know some of like the you know Native American name yeah. Florida towns, but I think that's just the name of the creamery. I think it's just coincidence. Um, <laughs> um, basically, it's um it's a third generation uh, dairy that um, uh, I guess about ten years ago started an actual um, you know like a creamery on site. They do pasture pasture raised cows uh, for you know good quality milk products. They sell a few different things. They do whole milk. They do skim milk, they do chocolate milk, yogurt, cheese, ice cream, cream, and butter. I'm to understand mm. they're the only creamery in Florida that makes their own butter. Um, they, um, they, they sell pasteurized, non-homogenized milk products. So they get the cream on top, real nice and natural. They sell in glass bottles, which is really cool and a lot of people really like. So the um, hate them. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, uh, you know, they're just too popular and they're making a nice, you know, what I would say healthy product. They uh, pride themselves on being all natural. Which, just in reference to some, you know, y'all's definition episode, that can have any number of meanings. Um, <laughs> it means nothing. I think that what most people would consider all natural, or at least us, um, yeah. is kind of what they got going on. 
you know, um, and from what we're going to learn in the story today, they have a very, very strict commitment to that. And I really have a lot of respect for them for, um, for everything they, they went through with this. Um, one other thing that's worth mentioning is they do um, a bit of agro-tourism. You can actually go and visit and watch the bottling process, meet the cows, all that good stuff, which I just think is the best kind of quality control, you know, like yeah. to heck with, you know, government intervention and rules. If you can go visit the place and decide for yourself, I mean, if, if you're a free human being, that should be all you need, right? Yeah, make that make that decision on your own. If the if the cows are uh, walking through crap to get to the uh, the milking parlor, um, got got that all over their udders and stuff. It's uh, you know, do you get to name a cow? That's what I can. Can you pay to name a cow? Do you know? Oh, I, I don't know. You know, I was thinking about starting a, a sponsor a chicken program on my farm. Um, nice. You know, people want to want to name a hen or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'd be cool with that. Um, so, um, so yeah, they, uh, the, the, the real sticky wicket that we're going to be talking about, um, though, is the, uh, their skim milk, uh, that they, uh, that they, that they're selling. Um, you know, they, well, I guess before we get too far into it, um, I'm going to ask one of you guys to uh, field this question for me. Can you tell me what skim milk is? Water and whole milk. <laughs> I'm sorry. Water, water was like my, my girl's answer. She's like, it's water. It's terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, it's, um, it's water if it's not what you grew up with, but since it's what I grew up with, it's just, that's what I think of milk as being. I think of whole milk as basically being butter. (laughs) I can see that. Whole milk to me is butter and water. (laughs) It's, I, I, I don't know, man. There's, there's a few times I'll, uh, I'll get the skim milk from the grocery store when it's like on sale. Uh, we got the Kroger down here and they put the, the discount stickers and you can get it like a gallon of milk for 79 cents. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, being cheap, I, I can't pass it up. And I, I got to buy a gallon of whole milk at the same time and, and mix it and hope for the best. Um, <laughs> Well, it depends what you use it for too. Like typically all I fucking use milk for is cereals. What do I care? Yeah. Put my cereal in butter. Just to wet the cereal, right? Yeah. Um, so what, well, what is skim milk, I guess? I don't know. Well, the Webster's Dictionary defines, um, no, the, um, the, the, the standard definition, which does include the dictionary, of course, um, is, um, is basically when you have you know, the whole milk and it's non-homogenized, which homogenized is basically like they run it through a fine sieve and it mixes the cream in with the milk. So when you get the whole milk at the grocery store, it's all one consistency. Um, the people I get my milk from, it comes in a glass jar. The cream actually floats at the top. So there's like an inch layer of cream on top and I actually have to shake it before I use it to mix it up, which sometimes produces butter, interestingly enough. But, um, but so basically skim milk, they skim that cream off and they use the cream to make their other products. That's how they're making their cheese. That's how they're making their ice cream, their cream, their butter, um, et cetera. So it's kind of a byproduct of making the, these other products. Um, so that's, that's, what, that's what I was going to say. Skim milk is just a waste product of good dairy products then. That's what kind of some yeah. people some people prefer it um, maybe because they don't want to have that much fat or, or, or whatever um, you know um, um, so some people do prefer skim milk not me but um, but but some people do um, so yeah it is but but yeah I mean you're, you're right basically especially with what these guys do it is kind of a waste product but they you know if they can sell it and people buy it hey great yeah. you know so that's, you guys keep saying waste product and I just keep hearing <laughs> great thing that capitalism did. 
You, yeah. you know, you're, 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 you're absolutely right, Dickie. Um, honestly, that's, you know, finding, finding other uses for different resources, you know, because why would you just throw it away? I mean, let's say you want to make, you know, the mm-hmm. cream butter, whatever. I mean, is that really what you, let's say you had a cow and you worked hard and you fed the cow and you went out and milked it every day and, you know, you wanted to make butter. I mean, would you just throw away the other majority of what you took out of this cow's udders? You know, so would you just throw that I'm away? I'm assuming it's called skim milk because it's after they've skimmed all the stuff they want off the top. Exactly. Yeah, it's that literal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So we, 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 we need a sound for that a little little uh, ooh. <laughs> Um so um so so yeah, that's I mean that's that, that's what it is, but but people buy it so they sell it. It was actually accounting for anywhere between 25 to 30% of their profits um when they uh, started selling it in 2010. Um so do they do they ship to like grocery stores and stuff or is it something that you have to buy it, it from the farm I, or can you go to the I believe that they just sell it at the farm. Okay. Um I do eventually I wasn't able to do um to do it but I do eventually want to get together with the folks. I want to go visit the visit the place cuz I think it's really really neat and I just have a ton of respect for them for them sticking to their guns through this whole ordeal. Um so I do want to go visit the farm and uh and and find out a little more information about it. Um their their website doesn't have a ton of information honestly. I learned a lot more just from doing my research on their their legal troubles. So you um, say sticking to their guns. What are they sticking yes. to their guns on? West, I know we were talking about definitions of skim milk and and well, this great dairy place doing good good things for the community. Well, they um they like I said they started in uh in in 2010 actually with the creamery. Um they were selling all these products including the skim milk um for almost 3 years and in 2012 they got a stop sale order or two stop sale orders to be precise um from the state of Florida um because their skim milk because basically the definition of the skim milk. So the way that Florida defines skim milk, and this is the state of Florida, um, I don't have to say that I disagree with this, but um, they, they define, um, they define or more like if you want to sell milk products in Florida to consumers, they have to be considered grade A. Okay, so grade A means they have to be pasteurized. And what that also means is that if you remove anything from the milk and when we skim that cream off, one thing you're also removing is the vast majority of the vitamin A and the vitamin D. That's where a lot of the good stuff resides is in that cream. So, so in the state of Florida, you have to add vitamin A and vitamin D back into the milk before you can sell it as skim milk. Um, so again, this farm, they pride themselves on being all natural. So they don't want to add these, you know, artificial vitamins back into mm-hmm. the milk. So that's where things got kind of crazy um, is that, you know, the state said you can't sell this. You can't call it skim milk. We don't consider it a milk. We don't consider it milk. We don't consider it a milk product. So um, they, uh, there, there is an option in Florida to sell imitation milk. They went down that road to see what, what, that would, what that would do, but they would have to label the product imitation milk. They wouldn't be able to call it milk, which is, you know, <laughs> asinine. What, what, do you know what else is in imitation milk? Is that like your nut milks and stuff? I, I, I guess maybe. I mean, uh, I, I really don't know. I mean, if, I'm not lactose intolerant, so I haven't had to yeah. explore it. Okay, um, maybe some of that. Okay. Um, uh, but one of the things that's interesting here too, when we think about that is like, okay, so their whole issue is they, they don't want people to be deceived by what they're buying. Um, but by calling it imitation milk, I think that's a huge exception. I mean, what if you're a vegan and you know, you go, you want something to mix in your coffee and you, Oh, imitation milk. This is perfect. <laughs> you know, and it's, it comes from a cow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of problems that come into that. Um, so yeah, they, they basically are, you know, trying to redefine this word, which 
you know, brings us into, um, you know, some First Amendment issues. Um, they also cited some 14th Amendment um, stuff, which I'm not nearly as familiar with. I believe that it had to do with the um, equality under the law kind of a uh, kind of what have you. Uh -huh. um, but so um, so basically they, they had to stop selling their skim milk. So they're still going to milk the cows. They still need to make all these other products. Um, so what they were doing was basically discarding their skim milk, which is halfway true. What they were doing with it was they were using it to like fertilize their pasture, which mm -hmm. is still a total waste, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but they were using it to fertilize their pasture. Something to the tune of one to three hundred gallons a week of this product was being discarded. And this is over five years. You know, this is. That's insane. I mean. It, yeah, it's, it's just a ton of food. I mean, there was willing customers, you know, mm -hmm. the people who wanted it. Um, so it, it really is, a, I mean, it's upsetting, to be honest, yeah. um, that, uh, that, that, that they would do this. So they, um, they pursued their imitation milk permit, which they said, okay, the state said, great, no problem. You just have to call it imitation milk. They said, no, we're not going to do that. So they started negotiating over what labels would be acceptable. And let me pull up this list here because this is pretty interesting. So... The creamery offered five different um, suggestions for things that they wanted to call it. Um, the first one, which I think is absolutely perfect from both a descriptive standpoint, an honesty standpoint, a business standpoint, something that would be understandable to customers. Um, and it says, <clears throat> pasteurized skim milk, no vitamin A added. <coughs> Beautiful, right? Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's descriptive. It's skim milk is what it is. They did not add vitamin A. You know, perfect. So they go on to a little more of a word salad here and there. Um, but one of my favorites from being just because it's so bitchy and perfectly, you know, like, like it's almost like I, I feel like they must have submitted it as a joke um, is, <clears throat> and this is a mouthful, so bear with me. Um, the state requires us to call this non grade A milk product natural milk vitamins removed. It is all natural skim milk with some vitamin A removed by skimming cream from milk. <laughs> so again i would i'm sorry go ahead that would be beautiful i, I would buy milk just for that label uh, i mean they're basically just talking trash about the state there which is awesome but wouldn't you know it out of all the five different labels they proposed that is the one that the state had the least issue with <laughs> the the state proposed one change to that and that was to not call it a milk product but to call it um but to call it um Oh, oh gosh. Um, they, they wanted to call it like imitation milk or, or something like that. Um, they didn't want to put milk in it, you know, um, which, which is just, you know, just silly. And of course the fact that they chose the huge word salad is, is just, I don't know. It's just ridiculous, but I mean, it's what you'd expect, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that's so like, you know, cause you, when you pick up milk, I mean, most people I assume don't, but there's like, those nutrition labels, right? Like there's a label on there that tells you what's in that milk already, you know, like mm -hmm. really cared. You could look, I, I don't know, but I guess they've already defined skim milk to include it, you know? Uh, there's literally one ingredient in this product and it's skim milk, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> I mean, I guess so the, the question, so why did this, why did this happen? Like why, why did they go after them? Um, nobody's hundred percent sure. <laughs> um, but coincidentally, um, the person, um, Adam Putnam, who was the commissioner of the department of agriculture at the time, he was kind of gearing up to run for governor. And I guess this mm -hmm. kind of about kind of came about the same time that he kind of announced that he was going to start working on. Okay. That. So maybe he was trying to score some points with big milk, 
I, I'm, I'm really not sure. I, just from my experience with, you know, government um, regulations, that's usually what's behind it. I thought yeah. big milk, milk was a thing in Canada, not America. It's a hell of a slogan, right? Big, tough on, tough on milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the war on milk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I say that. I'm, I'm saying that, and I'm imagine I'm, re, I'm imagining a revisioning of the war on drugs by the whitest kids you know. Yeah, the the, yeah, the, the, the you ever watch the Civil War? On, I've never seen that show. I've heard it's good though. Okay, the Civil War on Drugs is actually a movie they filmed and then broke it up into episodes seeing it to release the movie but they formed a movie <laughs> based on the idea that these two dudes are gonna go they th- they think that they're making it I can't even explain it's so fucking ridiculous <laughs> essentially they think the civil war is over making weed illegal and not over slavery and, it, and it, it's just this long, they don't get what's going on and they think this is what's happening and everything is like a, a misinterpretation of what's actually going on. It's pretty I, amazing. It's a horrible digression, but like I'm listening to this, I'm listening to this I, story I just, and I'm like, oh God, it makes about as much sense as that. I can, I can see people like, you know, these, these uh, inspectors running around and, and with their big old monkey wrenches cracking open, you know, the, the league <laughs> valves on, you know, 500 gallon drums of, of milk. Cause it's been wise guys. See, they can sell milk on their noses. <laughs> eh? Dump, dumping it out in the gutters. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, like the prohibition, uh, prohibition nonsense. Uh, breaking, breaking glass bottles of milk in the street. Bah, you can't mm-hmm. have this. Yep. Yep. Um. <laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, the the whole milk thing, and it, it varies state to state. Um, I believe that the states are actually allowed to make their own laws when it comes to you know, um, milk milk products. Um, but um, um, but yeah, there's there's a a pretty decent documentary called uh, Farmageddon where they talk about some uh, some specific stuff like that, and they were busting people for like there was somebody who like lived right on the border of a state. And so they'd meet a bunch of their customers on the other side of the state line. And yeah, like they came in, got raided. They made the farmer dump, dump the milk out on the ground. And he's, I mean, he's crying while he's doing this. And I mean, if, and uh, you know, if, if you, if you make your own agricultural products or raise your own animals, I mean, you know, what kind of emotional attachment, you know, you get to that kind of thing. And that's just, you know, I mean, to see someone do it, okay, it's just milk. But when it's something that you work for and your animals work for, and you know, it's, it's your livelihood. I mean, that's, it's really well, painful, I mean, know? aside from that, even, I mean, those people are not millionaires. Those people are just barely scraping by if they're not, you know, specifically being propped up by the fucking government in the first place. That's very true. Like, you're, you're literally watching somebody dump your fucking livelihood down the drain at that point. Yeah, over arbitrary lines and rules, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, when you're, you're dealing with willing customers here, I mean... Um, it's, 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 you know, it's just upsetting. Like, are we not adults? Can we not make our own choice about what we eat? Um, you know, I really think that's one of the, you know, the big, it's really one of the things that gets me the most upset about, you know, government overreach is when we start talking about, you know, the food that we eat, if there's anything that we should have a right to choose ourselves, you know, it should be what food we, you know, what we put in our bodies. The, The government has a terrible track record with deciding what's best for us when it comes to nutrition. Um, you know, we remember the food pyramid from when we were kids. It doesn't exist anymore because they determined that was wrong, you know? Um, and I mean, this goes all the way back to the on purpose. 
What's that? You mean it was making people obese on purpose? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, they got. I mean, you got sugar. You know, they had the big, the big Harvard thing where you know, in like the fifties or sixties, they determined that yeah. fat was bad and sugar was good, and it turns out they got paid off by the sugar industry to do that. Um, all the way back to the first food laws in the early nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, it was actually a guy named Wiley who. I don't think he was necessarily a politician, but he had a lot of um, connections and he was an intellectual. And he decided that sugar was healthy for us and that that was the mark of a good society was how much sugar they ate. So he was actually one of the people who started pushing sugar subsidies, um, the tariffs on foreign sugar, um, you know, and all that. So it's been well over 100 years that, you know, this kind of stuff's been going on and they, they're just wrong, you know. And even if they're not wrong, I mean, who's to say that? different people don't need have different, you know, nutrition requirements. And yeah. again, who's, who's to decide that, you know, I have to follow you down this terrible road of, you know, poor nutrition. And even if I'm wrong, who cares? It's my body. Well, you know? and, and so the way that I'm getting this story though, we're, we're, we're talking about what is essentially a small business that is, you know, probably local. Um, I'm assuming hires local people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming has to deal with, you know, how it's positioned within the community. It's an extremely rural area. There's only 14,000 people in the entire County. So yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, they're just, I mean, they're dealing with people in the local area. I mean, it's. Yeah. And so I'm looking at, okay, so we're attacking, we're attacking this, this particular farm essentially is what it works out to be. Now, what does that do as far as the actual like the actual economy in the area? Um, I, I don't know. I guess it really depends on how much uh, how much they bring in and how far reaching their products are. You know, if they mm-hmm. do just sell at the creamery there, then um, you know they probably mostly supply local people. But I bet you that they get a lot of their um, a lot of their revenue from agrotourism. That's actually going to be mm-hmm. a really huge thing. And that's the kind of thing where you can bring in people from the outside, you know, yeah. people from other counties or whatever might come through to, to check it out and visit. And that might bring up, you know, might bring some dough into the, you know, into, into the local economy there. So what, where does it go from there? They're, they're, they're getting in trouble with the law. They're trying to come yeah. up with a, a label. Did yeah, they, they they go back and forth for a while, um, and the, so the big issue um, when it comes well, I'm to um, I'm curious what's happening to the mill. Oh. They're unable to sell it, or, you know, and it, they they pull it off the shelves, or do they just yeah, leave yeah, it yeah, there they, they, and they're they, hoping for the best. Yeah, no, they they stopped selling the skim milk and continued selling their other products. They just discarded the skim milk. You know, they need the cream from the milk to make their other products. So they're um, they're they're just dis- discarding the uh, the skim milk at this point while while they're going through all this nonsense. Um, and when you know when we talk about um you know free speech, ultimately what happened is this came down to a First Amendment issue. Um, the before 1975, commercial speech was not protected at all by the First Amendment. Um, it was pretty much just up to whatever the courts wanted to do. Um, fortunately in the late seventies, there was a few court cases that really started to challenge this. And in 1980, there was a big one. It was called central Hudson. Um, and I believe it was in New York and it was like a cable company. Um, and they really developed like a rubric for how they determine things like this. Um, and so the first thing, there's two big questions. One, does it concern illegal activity? And, in this particular case, since they said that the, the milk itself isn't illegal, it was the labeling, it's a moot point. Okay, It's not, it's not illegal. Um, and in, in the Central Hudson case, what it was was they were selling uh, 
somebody was advertising uh, cable descramblers. And because cable descramblers were illegal, them advertising them, they deemed was they could restrict that speech. Um, the the second the second thing um, is is it misleading or is it inherently misleading is what they're looking at, and that's what the state of Florida was trying to get them on, saying that because the state defines skim milk as something that has had the vitamin A and D added back into it, that they are misleading people by calling it skim milk. Oh, <sighs> I don't even know. I don't even know what to say with that. It's just, just... you know, I mean, obviously when you're dealing with the law, there needs to be a definition, right? And it should probably be relatively precise when the issue at hand is, you know, locking somebody in a cage. Uh, You know, it should be relatively precise. Um, But when the state just can just define something any way it wants, then you get in the problem of, well, the First Amendment doesn't apply anymore because if they just change a word, they can keep you from using it, you know, if they change the definition of a word. So it's certainly true that, you know, a state definition might become common usage or whatever over time. But in this case, it's definitely not. I mean, skim milk for anybody, you know, anybody who knows what it is, it's milk with cream skimmed off. That's it. You'd think that, uh, for me, that's one of those things where if you want to label, go ahead and label. If, if you're going to force somebody to label, make it the, the most basic definition possible. So skim milk is milk that's just been skimmed. Now, if you want to go and add those vitamins, then, then feel free to label it. You know, go, go for it. If you think your milk's going to sell better because you labeled it A and D or added whatever, have at it. But to, to require even further um, that, that definition to, I don't know. But then you get into the whole all natural thing, you know, and well, that's meaningless. Well, well, think think about it. If you know you go to the store and you've got one thing that says skim milk, and you have another thing that says skim milk, vitamin A and D, you know, artificial vitamin A and D added back into it, I think that's really going to change what a lot of people look at. It. A lot of people are going to go, "Well, I don't want artificial, you know, vitamins and stuff mm-hmm. in there." And I might offer this other product. So that makes me question again. Who was behind this? If if anybody, I mean, I'm not blaming Big Milk, but you know, I'm just uh, again, it's one of those things that you know I've seen it eight thousand times, and every other regulation, you know, mm-hmm. just leads me to assume that that's you know that that's what was going on there. Um, so yeah, after after a while, you uh, you don't give them the benefit of the doubt, you know. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not, not, not times, at all. Kind of realize, like uh, you know, some well, of these things. Yeah, I mean. Anything someone says, would the government really do that? It's like, well, let's look at history. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know I, I, I think they just might. Um, so, so continuing on here, um, this, this goes on for years. Um, they stopped selling the product um, in 2016. Um, they, they had eventually taken it to a federal level. Um, the, the, um, actually, I'm sorry, in 2014, the creamery filed a complaint against uh, the state and Adam Putnam, um, the uh, Commissioner of Agriculture. Um, they claimed it was censorship. It violated the First and possibly Fourteenth Amendment, um, and so it's in it's in court for another two years before they in 2016 they ruled in favor of the state. They claimed that the speech was misleading, and you know that's uh, that's that. So <laughs> they they did eventually take it to appeals, which is where things get a little more sane. Thank goodness. Um, I hate to give credit to the credit to the government in this regard, but I do feel like they ended up getting it kind of right as ass nine as it all is. Um, um, and, uh, and basically, uh, let's see here. Um, the creamery won on appeal. Um, they, uh, they, they said that, um, that, that basically the, the state was going way overboard with this, you know, that the, what they were trying to do was, um, was way too restrictive. Um, you know, they, the state disregarded far less restrictive and, 
honestly more precise ways of labeling the product. You know, like we went over the, you know, the different proposed labels, you know, skim milk, no vitamin A added. I think that's descriptive. I think that paints a beautiful picture of what's going on with the milk product. And they were trying to propose things that honestly what the state was saying was misleading. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess the yeah, state was misleading. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they absolutely were. And um, there's, there's some kind of creepy language here. If we get a little more into that cent- central Hudson thing, um, if you'll humor me for a second. Um, sure. So, so there, the, what we talked about first with the, um, the, is it illegal and is it, inherently deceptive okay that's what they call the threshold test so let's say it passes muster there so let's say that let's say that we determine that it is not illegal and it is not deceptively misleading or inherently misleading excuse me um there's still a few other things that the state um can do to still restrict that speech or i'll use the more inflammatory um, term suppress that speech um so basically there's another three prongs that they can look at the um the first the first prong is does restricting this speech serve the state's interest? Which, what is the state's interest? You know, where does that go? That could be a very slippery slope. Um, you know, I mean, what's the point of even having a First Amendment at that point, really? Yeah. Um, the, um, the, the second is they must determine whether or not the regulation directly advances the governmental interests asserted. Um, so more along those same lines. And then third, whether or not the restriction is more extensive than necessary to serve that interest. So in this case, the interest of the state is protecting the public in general from, you know, bad food products, um, which, you know, arguably, I don't agree with this, but arguably some people could say, yeah, that's, that's the state's business, you know? Um, so then the second is, you know, um, do, um, does, um, does this advance that interest, you know? And, I think that, you know, from a lot of what we talked about, I think that forcing them to label it like this, I don't think does protect people's health. Um, but, but third, and this is really what, you know, what, what really applies in this is whether or not the restriction is more extensive than necessary. And that was basically what the appeals court said. It is way more extensive than necessary. Um, you know, almost to the point of being, you know, ridiculous and counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah. That, so, so how long did that process take for, the the appeals to come back. Well, they did the uh, the appeals in 2016, and mm-hmm. it it was um either in late 2016 or early 2017 when they got approved to sell the milk again. Um, so they were back in business. Uh, I, I believe it was 2017, and then they um they went ahead and they sued uh, the state of Florida for the um, attorney's fees, um it, which summed to uh, four hundred thirty seven thousand dollars. Um, fortunately for the farm, they um. Let's see, who was it? It wasn't Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund. I believe it was the, um, I believe it was, they called themselves the, uh, oh gosh, where is it? Institute for Justice or something like that. I'll find it here in my notes, bear with me. Um, that, that took on this case and kind of did it for them. Um, are you guys familiar with the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund or anything like that by chance? I'm, I'm not. It, it so, sounds vaguely familiar, but I, I don't think that I am. Most of their work they do is with um, like raw milk kind of products or local milk products. I was actually a member um, for a while. I need to renew. It's just financial issues. But anyhow, um, so basically it's you, you join. Um, it's like, you know, $125 for the year or whatever. And if you have a legal issue that they can help you with, it's almost like lawyer insurance for this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So they'll come and they'll help you out with, um, you know, with, with lawyers and stuff. So I believe that it was kind of a similar organization that was, that was helping them out. Um, 
helping them do this because I mean, I can't imagine they'd have half a million dollars sitting around to do that with. I mean, who does, you know, yeah. which is, you know, when people say, Oh, if there's an issue, you don't complain about it. Just fight it in court. Well, <laughs> most of us don't have that option. You know? yeah. Most of us yeah. don't have the money to have that option. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's an insane amount of money. And to expect, you know, a, a little dairy farm to come up with that, you know, like you said, right? Just just go fight it in court. If, then that's if you're the place they don't expect the dairy farm to come up with it. They, <laughs> in the legal system. Well, but that's it though, right? And I'm not necessarily like the legal system, but, you know, John Q. Public, if you if, if that's his name, you know, John Doe, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, how many times do you hear that batted around? You know, if, if you've done nothing wrong, you have, you have nothing to hide, right? Because even if you have to go to court, it'll, it'll come out clear in the end. Um, Three felonies a day. <laughs> yeah. And, and here we are. What it started, what'd you say? It started 2014. Um, the whole, though they, they got the stop sale order in uh, 2012. So this was five years that they could five sell years. Yeah. And, and who knows how much like that actually cost them. Um, you know, I mean, sure, they were, in, in, in lost product. I mean, they, they yeah. didn't, they didn't sue for damages. So if they would have, you know, continued, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think the dairy was very good about, you know, pushing for this and I got a lot of respect for them, but, mm-hmm. but honestly, I mean, they could have taken this a bit further in that regard. And I mean, they, they deserved it. I mean, I hate to say they're mm-hmm. entitled to tax money cause that's certainly not how I feel, but mm-hmm. I mean, they, I mean, they, they should be, you know, um, they should get restitution for that. You yeah. know, I mean, that, that's lost money. It's a lot. It's a lot. How much did you say? Do you remember how much you said they were dumping? A uh, hundred to three hundred gallons a week, and supposedly yeah. the skim milk was twenty-five to thirty percent of their profit. Wow! So that's huge. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have pretty thin profit margins, um, and and I mean, there's a lot of emotional toll that it takes. Um, you know, um, yeah. you and me, Ben, had discussed some of the legal issues I've had in my farm, and I mean, it's just man, it, it drains your your gumption. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really just makes you like, oh, why do I even bother? You know, it's, it's so frustrating. Why don't we just hand this all off to factory farms? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, they've got the lawyers to deal with it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And and Um, they got the the lawyers that uh, write the laws too, you know? I mean, exactly. let me pull this back because it's funny. Like, why the fuck are we talking about first amendment lawsuits on a podcast about the environment and, and, and where that correlates to the free market? Like literally, we can't even talk about how we choose to utilize nature without getting into First Amendment territory. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just over here, just freaking the fuck out because all this regulation bullshit that they're dealing with, and I guarantee you that every single lefty out there responsible for shit like that getting in place and allowing that mechanism, the, cre- the creature that allows that mechanism to work. And if you told them, well, what you're doing is going to force more more family farms and more small farms to go under and just spend more money on factory farming, they'd all freak the fuck out. Um, yeah, I mean, look at it. And that's the end result. <laughs> like, that's the end result yeah. is you're going to get more of what you don't want by pushing power into the centralized authority. There, there's a, there's Sorry, a I'm, podcast. I'm losing it over here. There, there's a podcast out there that I've listened to that, um, you know, she's done multiple episodes on that, on how family farms are a failure and how, you know, family farmers aren't, aren't cut out to farm because they just, they don't have the skills and they don't have the know-how. And, but then you see crap like this third generation dairy farm, like, okay, you have to dump your milk out now. You're telling me it's because they don't know how to do it 
or, or what am I supposed to believe here? You know, like it, so many people, I think go down that route. Right. Well, you know, and, like, and, and people don't understand like the degree to like, people really do not understand the degree to which the agricultural industry is propped up by f- fucking subsidies. Oh, yeah. Like the subsidization oh, yeah. of the, the, the farm industry, like put it this way. The only person where I grew up that I knew who had a Mercedes was the girl whose, whose family owned a dairy farm. Yeah, yeah. And there's, it's because there's, they got paid not to grow corn. <laughs> I know, dude. I, I'm I'm out here, um, and uh, some of my neighbors have have suggested that uh, I should do that. I should register for a, a farm number and um, then start collecting and just sign that I don't grow like soy, wheat, and corn. There's certain things that I won't grow, and the the state will pay me like money just yep. to do that. I'm like, are you are you? Like th- that's insane, man. That's insane. I, I have a friend who um they grew up or she grew up in um South Carolina, and not that they ever intended to grow tobacco, but they got paid by the state to not grow tobacco. Yeah, yeah. Well, and exactly right. There's there's something I have no intention of growing oats. What what am I going to do with? I, I, I'm not going to grow oats. Doesn't seem um, like the kind of thing you grow in Georgia, anyways. But <laughs> well, but like exactly right. Like I'm not going to grow tobacco because I have no use to grow tobacco. I'm not going to be able to dry it. I'm not going to be able to sell it. But if you want to pay me not to grow it, sure. I was planning on growing. Of course, I was. You know. Um, but uh, I mean, it incentivizes lying. <laughs> it incentivizes yeah. bad behavior. And it incentivizes dishonesty. You know. Um, more than it, that. More than that is that you were artificially raising and lowering prices. And obfuscating what the actual market is. Yeah, very true. Um, I mean, prices are like, oh man, like I get, I, I get almost aroused when I start thinking about how like beautiful, like, pri- you know, pr- what in an unadulterated state, what prices are supposed to tell us. The information that prices are supposed to convey, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, availability of resources, availability of labor, um, you know, um, all all sorts of other nonsense. And whenever you have a subsidy or a tariff or unnecessary regulations or, or any of this nonsense, it alters those prices, which means that entrepreneurs and consumers can't accurately gauge, you know, they, they can't make decisions in, a, in an accurate way, you know, but just the way that the, that the market, you know, um, that, that the prices come out of the market, is, it's, it's just fascinating. I mean, I, I, I just love it. And that's the kind of thing that really does make me really angry when we talk about this kind of stuff is because it's like, man, they're, they're not they're not letting us flourish. They're not letting us figure out what works the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and who, I mean, there are, I'm sure there are some things that if the real price tag was on them, um, you wouldn't buy them or you wouldn't buy as much of it. You know, the the big thing I always come back to is like, so given where we're at, like the whole fossil fuels versus alternative energies debate, it all it all comes back to the fact that how the hell do we have any idea how how much fossil fuels actually cost versus the other ones? Because there's so yeah. many people involved governmentally subsidizing this and affecting the market through you know trade arrangements that we, we have no idea how much anything would actually cost market wise. Right. It could be that fossil fuels are. I mean, just do it. Look at look what we have to do militarily in the Middle East. Yeah. To do what we do, <laughs> like I'm sorry, all those troops uh, that should be factored into the price of oil, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I don't even I don't even know where to begin with that. Like, how how would you even start to do that? Just pull the plug and let it all ride. So, <laughs> kind of <laughs> pulling it pulling it back. I'm sorry, I I, I got I got a little off. I got a little heated. 
Because we're talking about the First Amendment, talking about the environment, and the fact is it's completely relevant. It's not like we're not talking about something that factors into what we should be talking about. But the fact that it matters just makes me irate. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the podcast is free markets, green earth. So there's also the free market side. So, there you know, is. It, can, it can relate there. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it really isn't outside of the scope. It's just it's not at all. The, the fact that it, it, it becomes part of the conversation. It, so let's look at what that does to that local economy. So they win the case. And then that local economy now has to be taxed to shit to spend money to pay off a frivolous lawsuit. Um, yeah, and there, I actually do have a really good point about that. But one one thing before we uh, diverge too much from the um, you know from the environmental aspect of this, um, I'd say that a, a way that this really ties in is um, I would certainly argue that the way that they farm on pasture is a net plus for the environment. Whereas the typical dairy, where they're eating you know grain that's trucked in from God knows where, cows aren't supposed to be eating grain. They're on these you know um, the, the the CAFOs, the concentrated animal feeding operations. You know that's bad for the environment well was, is it, is it, is good for the environment isn't so e. coli like 100 percent yes. from the fact that they have to drill holes into the side of fucking cows to get so, the oats and shit out of them that well, we, they're well, not supposed to eat <laughs> well, well what it is is um okay so the way that cows digestive systems work they all have a certain strain of e coli like let's say a, let's say a, gra- a good healthy grass-fed cow it has a strain of E. coli in their stomach that helps them break down their food, but that's not the strain of E. coli that makes us sick, okay? When you start feeding them corn, that's when that strain of E. coli that makes them sick or that makes us sick comes into being. So if you so you don't even have to worry about E. coli from beef if it's a grass-fed cow. Like, it's, it's not going to exist. It's not going to make you sick. It's only once you start feeding it corn that it starts making people sick, which brings us back to why would we feed them corn? Because it's subsidized. You know, so that's why you know we get sick and all the other environmental issues that come from this. Well, so yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely right. That that's that's a big problem. Well, and, and I can, maybe this is erroneous, but I was thinking I was watching a movie, and one of the things that they're saying. So they also don't digest corn, and so they like that corn, all that shit that's in there, like a lot of that fiber, they don't process, and so they mm-hmm. like, there's they actually have to manually go in and remove that from their stomachs. I saw, I think it was on, it might've been on Food Inc. They had a cow that had like a port in the side of it where yeah, yeah. they could reach inside the cow. I'm not sure if they have to do that. Maybe for dairy cows where they're alive long enough to make, to make a difference for the, for the beef cows. Honestly, the reason they process them when they, the reason that all the timing works out to when they move them off of grass and on yeah. the corn to process them is because if they keep on corn any longer, they get sick and die. So that's just yeah. as long as they can stay alive. So I can see if it was like a dairy cow they were trying I'm, to keep I'm, alive I'm, for a long should probably time. look into that more because that was yeah, always that, one of the things that frustrated me. And that's why you have the E. coli because you have essentially an open wound on an animal and into a place where that, that exists that normally would never ever come into contact with human food. But because um, yeah, but we, we do something very unnatural and force it, we, we've created another problem for us to deal with. Yeah, um, and, and that's really with a lot of the factory farming and everything. It's, you know, they, they engineer a solution to a quote-unquote problem, and then that causes another problem, so they engineer a solution to that, and that causes a problem, they engineer a solution to that, and it becomes this big whole thing when it's like, we can just get rid of all that. Well, isn't that just, just the, the nature of right government engineering, <laughs> engineering solutions for problems they made? Yeah, or, or, or you know, even just, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm like, oh, not a fan of big big companies because a lot of things I use and love every day come from big companies, but you know, when they can, when they can create a problem and then sell a product to solve it 
and create a problem and sell a problem to solve it. Like Monsanto makes Roundup. So they have, you know, genetically modified food that can withstand Roundup spray so they can really just sell more Roundup, you know? Like, I mean, I think that that is like, yeah, they sell the seed <laughs> for the corn, but I think that's their actually their big business is the glyphosate. Well, I mean, you, 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 look at, you, you look into the fact that like, when when I ask the question is what is what is the food genetically modified for and that's the issue we're we're gen- genetically modifying food to deal with chemicals that we created and I find that to be the problem uh, I I totally agree uh, it comes back to, you know engineering a problem uh, engineering a solution to a problem that wouldn't <laughs> exist if you did you know if you just started from a from a good standing you know um, because yeah there might be totally um you know. I don't necessarily think that, you know, GMOs just give you cancer or anything. They might, I don't know, but I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, but you know, but it might be, but like if there's an issue, so, um, like in Florida, we're at, um, pretty high risk of losing our entire citrus industry in the next like decade from this greening disease. If they were to develop like a GMO orange tree that didn't get the greening, I probably wouldn't be too upset about that, you know, um, because that means we still get to eat fresh, fresh citrus, you know, in this country, you know, that, um, you know, that, 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 that's cool. You know, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But yeah, when they're developing it just so they can spray more Roundup and sell more Roundup. Well, I mean, you just don't see the citrus industry moving more, more north at that point. Um, it, uh, I mean, global it, warming, it, obviously. It, it, I mean, uh, that, that, that's totally a possibility. I mean, that is how, you know, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of things, you know, travel or, or move is when, you know, in, the environment changes. You know, um, mm-hmm. we've got uh, we've got these damn things. Uh, actually, you guys might have them up here, but uh, love bugs. Um, are you guys familiar with lumb bugs? Uh, they come out like two or three yeah. times a year. They're, they're awful. They get on the windshield. They're terrible. They didn't, they weren't always yes. here. They moved up Mexico as it got warmer and now they're in the U S you know, so that's, it's a, I mean, it's a natural progression of, of different species. Hmm. Mm. I'm looking at uh fistula cows. It's disturbing. What are you looking at? <laughs> They're called uh, fistulid cows. They have fistulas in their stomach. That's that's what they do. They put ports in them. And supposedly it is to um, study the efficiency of what they eat in a attempt to reduce methane. Um, and it's been going on since the 1920s and perhaps as early as the 1880s. So obviously... Um, the the research has not been dialed in yet. <laughs> I was going to see. They probably haven't figured out a whole hell of a lot, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so, so if... We can obviously talk about whatever, but if we um, bring us back to the... Um, to the uh, no, 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 all good. I just had... Um, I did have one point that I wanted to make about this when we were talking about the the taxpayer and government waste. Um, one thing that, uh, that the state actually did in all this... So, okay. So, you know, we talked about the $437,000 they paid in, you know, the... The creameries court costs. How much do you think the state spent on all this? I would have to assume much more than that, as they are a huge, bumbling, bureaucratic, wasting oh, you know, entity. Um, but one of the things that the state actually did to try to prove that what they were doing was misleading was they funded a study that um, they actually like you know questioned a lot of people to try and prove this. So one of the questions was, um, "What do you think skim milk is?" And most people had a generally correct answer. Um, but another question that they asked people was do you expect your skim milk to have the same vitamin content as whole milk? And people said, yes, they do, which is kind of just ignorance on people's parts. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd have to assume if you're taking half the product away that, you know, it have less vitamin content or whatever. Um, but, um, 
but so they actually funded a study to go, you know, to go through all this and try to prove that, you know, they're, they're being, you know, um, misleading. And this all the while the state, including Adam Putnam said, no, we want to work this out. We want them to be able to sell their product. I don't have any issue with it, you know, and they're saying that with one hand and then they're pushing stuff like this with the other. You got to wonder why, you know, you really got to wonder why. Um, it's just it's so bizarre. It's just, I mean, is it one of those things where, you know, if, if, if you don't have the money, if you have extra money in, in the budget at the end of the year, like your budget gets cut. So they just spend it on. <coughs> look, Ben, but, you know? the, if you really boil it down, look who, who the people in office are. Yeah. Lawyers. That's why we have the fucking legal structure we have. We have a legal structure that is only designed to benefit lawyers. That's it. Everything That's about fun. our government is designed to be so overly wrought and overly complicated. The only people that can do anything about it is a special class called lawyers who just coincidentally happen to go on to become politicians when their law careers end. So are, are you telling me it's not the Illuminati or the Masons? It's it's uh, Well, the, the Illuminati and the Masons, if they're lawyers, it could absolutely be them. Okay. The, 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 the lawyers also get... The lawyers also get a say on who gets to become a new, you know, new lawyer. You know, they've got the bar association and stuff like that, so they get to control how many new lawyers there are. Um, oh, yeah. you know, they get to regulate their own market like that. Um, same thing with doctors, etc. Oh man, it's a wonderful world we live in, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, I can't wait till we can actually hear trees talking. And then we can really apply First Amendment rights to trees. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't. Can't we already do that? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm pretty. <laughs> I, I, I've seen enough stuff that would would tell you that there is at least some sort of consciousness to, uh, you know, plant life that we don't give it. Oh yeah, yeah. it gets creepy, man. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody who says plant, like when, when somebody says they're like, like there could be plenty of reasons to be vegetarian or vegan. Like I get it. But when I hear people say, Oh, because animal cruelty, I'm like, if you think plants don't feel pain, uh, like you need to, uh, you need to look into that a little more. Cause they certainly do. Yeah. The science is definitely, definitely there at this point. Every um, time I shred a head cabbage, a head of cabbage for, for coleslaw, it's just, it, it just feels so, so wrong. You guys ever listen to, uh, listen to Real Big Fish at all? Yeah. The band? Okay. Real Big Fish? Yes. So you said, yeah, I've, I've heard them once or twice. They, they very specifically have, um, is it Say, Say 10? Um, Say 10. It's, uh, it's wheat gluten. No, 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 no. That's always, oh. the. I can't. I think that's the name of the song. But the the whole song is is literally about uh, <laughs> how they'd rather eat meat because they they don't want to listen to the plants cry. <sighs> Vegetarian. Uh oh. <laughs> there's there's a point. There's a point where the whole vegetarian vegan thing. Um, you know technology is going to develop to a point where it's just kind of like, sorry, you have to make that judgment call. You know, um, plants feel things, plants are going to know things and we're going to realize it. And you say, Oh crap. There's a really good uh, documentary um, called what plants talk about. And they go through a few different plants. And um, one thing you might really like, Ben, they talk about the, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, but feel free to correct me. The mycelium. Is that what it is? The underground fungus. Um, They, 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 yeah, it's, 
fascinating when they talk about that and how trees connect to each other but but mm-hmm. they they talk about how a lot of plants um when they start getting eaten by a certain like bug they start releasing particular smells that attract predators of that bug to come eat the bug uh so you know they definitely feel it <laughs> yeah. um yeah. uh you know for sure and, and and they and they react as such which is um, yeah. really fascinating <laughs> so i don't want to i don't want to do this too much uh i actually looked it up the song is satan as in S-A-Y-T-E-N. And the the first verse just, just lays out exactly what the song is about and why it's hilarious. She's not not eating bacon, not eating sausage, and she won't eat eggs. Not eating chicken, not eating turkey. She won't have a steak. But I just can't help feeling sorry for this poor little lettuce head. You know, I can't stop crying because I know this broccoli's dead. <laughs> oh, I like it. It's well, like the... Yeah. Just for the record, it also gets into advocating cannibalism at the end of the song, but that's another thing. <laughs> well, uh, it's the stuff that makes you it makes your brain go crazy. <clears throat> Maybe I'm a murderer, anyway. but I'm hungry, and they're better off dead. <laughs> we, we stick to the socialism path long enough, and we'll get there. <laughs> for real. Well, I can I can also tell you um, from growing enough vegetables that I have killed a lot of animals to protect my vegetables. So, you know, just eating vegetables doesn't necessarily protect animals either. <laughs> Weren't we talking about that the other day, man? Like just literally the amount of animal life that's lost in keeping plant life going. <laughs> I think so. I think we may have broached it a little bit um, in terms of I don't know tests and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I had a, a deer that kept coming in and, and grazing on my sweet potatoes and he ended up in the freezer. You know, so <laughs> oh, it was, nice. Good it was work. a twofer. It was a twofer. You know, I had some venison, got some sweet potatoes. I was going to say, and I bet that was a real sweet venison too. He was, he was tasty. He was tasty. That's my favorite part about venison is because of just the nature of what they eat. They're just such a sweet meat. Yeah. You know, I, this is totally off topic, but, um, hunting right and, and your gmo corn and stuff and you think you go out and you hunt and you're getting some some all natural thing right as all natural in quotes there and that that deer was probably off eating some like gmo monsanto like roundup ready corn you know oh absolutely <laughs> something something to think about you know next time what I was going to make a point. I'm so glad you said that before I did because I was going to say that's one of the best things about venison is it's like, you know, organic. It's out eating, you know, <laughs> what have you. But yeah. you make a really good point there that might not be accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that probably depends more on which part of the country you're in. Like up in yeah. upstate New York, yeah. they eat a lot of berries and stuff because of the nature of what we grow up in. Uh, yeah, that's true. If you're in Iowa or, Iowa or one of those middle states, yeah, they probably eat a bit of that corn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Any, any, um, I don't know. Anything else you want to add to to your milk milk story there? Um, I mean, no, nothing, nothing too exciting. I mean, that that about covers it. They ended up winning in the end. They're, they're it has a happy ending. Their products are back on the shelves. You know, I mean, it's, um, it's got a happy ending as long as you're a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for the milk company too, I'd say that. You know, but um, but uh, but I yeah. Mean, I mean, hey, you know, it's absolutely happy. It's absolutely happy that I was dumping product into the fucking drain <laughs> for. Uh, yeah, sounds, that's pretty awful. Sounds that's pretty really awful. Yeah, and like, I mean, considering they sell their uh, they sell their uh, skim milk at five dollars for a half gallon, that's mm-hmm. a lot of money, man. I mean, if oh, we're saying yeah, yeah, I mean one to three hundred gallons a week, you know, I mean that's thousands of dollars a week. I mean that's mm-hmm. that's absurd. Oh, uh, hurts me to think about. 
which um, to be honest, it's, it's not a bad price on um, on you know natural milk products like that. I buy yeah. um, if I'm at the grocery store buying milk, I always buy grass fed, and yeah, it runs at least five dollars for half a gallon. I have some local people that I buy cow and goat milk from in a mason jar. I love it, mm-hmm. completely unlabeled, perfect. Um, and uh, yeah, but but yeah, it's I mean for like a quart, it's like five dollars, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. I know where it comes from. I can go visit the animals. That means a lot to me. Yeah, when I was in Vermont, we'd get raw milk, and that was that was about what it was. I think it was five, six fifty a half gallon from from the Jersey cows. And if you got a whole gallon, or maybe if you got two gallons, it was like down to five fifty. But you could you could go pet the cows, you go feed the cows, you go hang out and walk through the pastures and fondle them a little bit. Yeah, I, I you know, let's, let's not go too far. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I don't know tell all my secrets, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm not saying I don't do it. I'm just saying I don't talk about it. He doesn't kiss and tell, you know. I'm I'm not Scottish, not Scottish, but uh, anyway. Um, Vermont's probably pretty lax with their, um, I don't know if lax is the right word, but they probably um, allow you to um, to, to do stuff like that and actually um, have raw milk and stuff. It's totally illegal in Florida for raw milk. Um, Yeah, I think it was under, under pet. Oh, um, uh, okay. Yeah, that, that's how a lot of people uh, a lot of people do it here yeah. um, as well. Um, and I'm also probably envious of y'all's like a uh, farmers market circuit and availability up there too. It's probably pretty uh, pretty sweet. We kind of struggle down here. Yeah, it was it was it was nice. We had a, it, it was uh, they had a CSA. It was um, really really a nice CSA. Uh, it was pretty good. And I do I do miss it, but um, you know. I spent a little bit of time in Vermont. I had a buddy who was from up there, and I used to go up there and spend a few weeks, like every Christmas, mm-hmm. um, get to hang out in snow and everything. And man, it was <laughs> it was gorgeous. I really like Vermont. Um, it was a uh, it was real it's pretty, beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's just man, it's just like I, I've even considered you know like New Hampshire for the Free State Project, but yeah. it's just too short of a growing season, man. It's a uh, I don't know. I I've lived in Florida my whole life. I don't know if I can go up there and deal with the snow. Well, and that was going to be like four months. <laughs> that was going to be my joke. I was going to make. I'm like, I mean, you know, the CSA is great for like the two months that should actually grow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we're the opposite down here. You know, summer it's pretty dead for vegetables. You know, yeah, you can get all the okra and eggplant you want, but um, but you might have a hard time with uh with a bit of other stuff. Winter time, boom, I can grow like anything. Yeah, yeah, good old okra. <laughs> it's it's one of those vegetables you either love or you hate. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Uh, I love it too, but it is one of those caveats that just like tomatoes, I won't buy it in the store because it's awful in the store. But when it's fresh, you know, it's, um, you know, that, that, then it's great. You know, after three days, okra turns brown. You can't go to the store and get it when it's not brown and gross. It also we, requires that someone knows what the hell they're doing with it. That's <laughs> true. That is, that, that is true. <laughs> we, um, we take it and we slice it into like one inch thick pieces. And then we just like saute it on each side, uh, sear it. And then that seals off the sliminess, um, you know, saute it in butter like that. And it's, it's just fantastic. That's what we did every like day that. when we're growing it. It's like, uh, it's like slugs, man. Uh, I don't know that it is like slugs, man. Are you trying to tell me that slugs are delicious? Uh, I'm trying to tell you that slugs are slimy. And, and even when you cook them, they are just slimy and, you know, it kind of like fries them up like in, a, in their own little batter. But um, I don't know. Depends, depends how you cook it, I guess. got. Yeah, sort of. Sort of like that. But um, Blue cheese makes escargot pretty good. I'll, I'll have to try that next time. Try I think I'll have the blue cheese now. Uh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Well, I think we have reached the point where we're all like, well, let's just talk about crazy shit. So <laughs> we, can call, we, can call, we can call the episode there. That was, that was a fantastic uh, bit of information I did not have. 
before today. So I am very excited about that. It was it was enjoyable. Thank you for coming on. Are we talking about the slugs or the milk? Oh, I, I know plenty about slugs. That's okay. That's okay. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's, it's one of my uh, one of my favorite stories in this regard, just because it is just so incredibly asinine. Um, that, uh, that I really think it paints a good picture of the inefficiencies and the, um, ridiculousness of government intervention and regulation on this kind of thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the control that it elicits over the natural resources of our, like, everything. It's just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> that's because so, that's just one little bit of it. And you know, that's not the only little bit place where it encroaches. It encroaches everywhere. So how much how much else are we are, are they are we getting screwed on left and right by this like that's affecting every element of it, like, and <laughs> and the majority of the people don't realize it, um, you know, and and like you were saying earlier with the people you know push you know like you push for these environmental regulations and stuff they don't realize that they're shooting themselves in the foot, you know, or they want you know government to come in and fix the you know the family farms or you know oh fix our waterways that are polluted yet they go you know buy. By, by, by food that's grown with tons of glyphosate, you know, not realizing that they're the ones contributing to the same problem they're bitching about, you know, and this, when somebody complains about something, says you buy all organic food, right? And they say, no. <laughs> okay, well, then you're contributing to glyph- glyphosate getting in the waterway, which is what you're complaining about. So, you know, you gotta, you kind of got to take that personal step. Yeah. Personal, personal accountability, right? You're, do your, do your due diligence and precisely, it up, you know, and then read your voluntarily labeled labels. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, right. thank, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Um, this is a blast. And once again, I um, not to you know not to um, you know uh, be too much of a kiss up or anything, but I uh, I really enjoy you guys' show, and I'm glad you guys do it. I'm I'm glad somebody's listening to it. That's, yeah. that's all that matters. You got at least one listener, man. So <laughs> we're we're nice. we're a bunch of weird people that want to talk about you know capitalism and the environment. So it's a weird weird type of tree hugger. Yeah. Ah, two of my favorite things, man. <laughs> Good, deal. Good deal. Well, thanks for coming on there, bud. Absolutely, man. Anytime. You guys have a wonderful night, all right? All right I got a couple care. more episodes to do. It's going to be fun. All right, cool. Well, have a, have a good one. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to y'all later. All right, Peace. All right, bye. Uh, all right. So, um, I don't know. Are we going to wrap it up? As far as? I don't know. Tell people where to go. For show notes, go to freemarketsgreenearth.com. And uh, is there a stub there? Can they find a stub there? As far as like for the specific episode? Yeah. I'm working on that. Okay. So freemarketsgreenearth.com and you can get the link straight to Anchor from there and, and listen to it there. Go download it in your, your podcatcher, subscribe and uh, find find Nikki P and I on our, on our own shows. Sounds like Liberty and uh, homesteads and homeschools. And if they said at the top show, um, Dan was on this past Tuesday with me. So you can check that out if you want to hear more stories. He's got a little little story about his his farm and how he had to kind of, you know, tell tell the tell the local government to uh, mind their own business. But um, I don't know. Any, yeah. Any, anything else, Nikki? Uh, nope. All right. I'll have a good night or day. Whatever. <laughs> Hehehehe. <laughs>